This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody and welcome to the Blood Red podcast. I'm Sean Bradbury and there are only two sleeps left, not much more than 48 hours until the Reds are in yet another Champions League final. We've got James Pearce, Ian Doyle and Conor Dunn over in Madrid for us already, who will, between their tapas and sangria, will no doubt be keeping you updated with everything that's happening over there ahead of the game. But what a lineup I've got for you right here. Uh, across the way from me is the man who is really as tall as they say he is. It's Paul Gorst. <laughs> uh, Gorsty, how are you doing? Where, where will you be watching on Saturday? Um, as an, uh, Well, we haven't actually decided, but I'll be in Belfast. Belfast for this one. Um, booked a, a stag do for one of my best mates who I'm best man. Back in November or December, um, didn't really think twice about the final, and here <laughs> we are. Um, and we couldn't really push it back because too many people are taking time off work. So uh, I'm off work myself, and I'm in Belfast. Excellent. A couple and- of Evertonians are here on that trip. Yeah, there's uh, there's twelve of us, and two of them are Everton fans. So uh, <laughs> that's quite quite a quite a ratio, yeah. that isn't it? Uh, they might just go and find a quiet bar somewhere. And- probably for the best Um, she's flying out tomorrow I think she just wants the game to kick off right now it's Kiva O'Neill on my right Kiva how are you doing how are the nerves ahead of this one do you know what I woke up today and I'm just so excited I've had nerves all week and been really stressed out but today I just woke up and I almost skipped to Greg's on my way to work I was like like it's happening (laughs) Uh, and with his suitcase half packed and coming in on his day off no less uh, it's Dan Kay who will also be out there for us Dan how are you doing I'm alright. I think I've actually gone the other way to Kiva, kind of like I've been full of beans all weekend, and now the reality of, of it is kicking in. I've been kind of, I've, I've had a bit of a knot in my stomach uh, this morning. I think maybe it's just because it's been such a long build-up. Yeah. And obviously, I've, I've got a few bits and bobs and jobs to do today. But I think once we've got a really early flight in the morning, we're out from Manchester at six forty-five via Lanzarote. So I think once we get to the airport and sing that first pipe, then yeah. the nerves will dissipate and it'll just be pure unbridled excitement. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, whatever you're watching, I hope you all enjoy. So for the right results. Um, I want to start with a few questions just on about how significant a game this is for, for various parties involved. I'll start with you first, Dan. I just, and I want to begin with the players. Um, if you look back, I guess, over the, over the last few generations of Liverpool teams, there's, there's, there's been several. When, when they've hit the crossbar, when they've finished second in the league, things have started to unravel. Um, you know, if you think back to Rafa, to Rodgers, I suppose, as well, even even Julier. And not all of those teams have had to contend with City. Well, you know, you're looking at arguably mm-hmm. the best team in the Premier League era. But I guess th- this lot, I've, I've got the opportunity immediately to go and to go and put it right after after just missing out in the league. Do you think there's a kind of an added significance to the game in, in that respect? Absolutely. And I think you can factor into that what happened in the Champions League last season as well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this season has performed at an outstanding level. For two seasons now, certainly in Europe, and you know the, the league performance wasn't bad uh, last season either. Um, it seems inconceivable that they could produce two bodies of work in two seasons like that and end up empty-handed. Now it could happen because football and life can be unimaginably cruel sometimes. But you just get the sense from all the noises that you've heard, not just coming out of the club over the last three and a bit weeks, but all through the season, that there's this determination and this kind of steely steeliness to them mm. uh, you know not not just physically but mentally that they're able to withstand setbacks and disappointments now and bounce back from it and you know I think those last couple of weeks of the season provided the perfect example of that where you know blow for blow every time we managed to dig out a league win and hoping and praying that City would, would, would drop something each time they didn't it felt like a real kind of kick in the gut mm. and the prime example was that those, you know, that final week of the season when we won at Newcastle, Vincent Company pinged that one in 
30 yards on the Monday night and we turned up, you know, 0-3 down to Barcelona with the realistic prospect of our season ending that night. But they said, no, we're not having it. Mm. And they did something about it. And that's why I kind of think, however the game goes on Saturday, and it would be lovely to think that we could be, as some of our colleagues have been predicting, <laughs> cruising with 20, 30 minutes to go. We tend not to do things the easy way, but I, I feel more encouraged than ever that whatever curveballs this match can throw a lot on Saturday, they'll handle. Ghosty. Mm. Earlier this week, um, Klopp was speaking about about last year in Kiev and, and looking ahead to, to the final this week. And he said he feels like this will be the first final for, for his team, um, given how personnel have changed and how the team's grown uh, mm. this season. Do you think, does, does that feel genuine? Does it feel like a different team? Or do you think he was just trying to banish those memories of Kiev? Well, he's uh, he's upgraded, hasn't he? If you look back to, to last year's, and there's, there's no getting away from it, Loris Karius has huge errors contributed to, to Liverpool losing that final and they conceded three goals that they'd never ever concede in another game again mm. two huge goalkeeping errors sandwiched uh, and Bale's overhead unbelievable overhead sandwiched in between it so um, I get where he's coming from with, with, with that I mean uh, they obviously went out and upgraded with uh, with Alisson didn't he and he's been a, <clears throat> a massive improvement um, as a goalkeeper he'll be, become what the, only the fourth Liverpool goalkeeper to, to win the Champions League if, if they do the business on Saturday Um Naby Keita, obviously Naby Keita's not going to be involved but he's come in, he was very much a, a Klopp player who they targeted uh, Fabinho was, was scouted on the, on the sly wasn't he, not many, too yeah. many people knew about that before he, he signed um, a year ago this week um, and Jair Danskeri's had, had a bit of um, bit of depth to that front line so I can see where he's coming from when he says it, it's it's his team's first final because there were players who, who were in the squad last season who weren't his players Um you look at you know Dom Slack, he was on the bench, and Ray mm. Cham, everyone knew he, he was kind of leaving on a free. Um, Loris Carius was shipped out to Besiktas, so I can see where he's coming from, yeah. Um, Major Van Dyke was saying earlier this week that um, this feels like it, it's just a start for this team, and um, I think think that is the case. They're all young, they're all pretty much tied down for, for long contracts, and Klopp said today <clears throat> in an interview with, with Jamie Carragher that um, they're putting out one of the top five or six teams in Europe, so... It's not going to be a case of Gerard Houllier or, or Rogers or, or Benitez where they're going to lose key players to summon and, and have to start from scratch again. Mm. And Kiva, what what kind of mood do you sense from you know everything we've seen from the players and the squad this week, interviews and Klopp himself in the press conference? It's it's a, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because like you know, obviously as as we've just discussed about Klopp, he wants to move on from last year and and that's totally understandable. But at the same time, you kind of want the players to draw on the experience of that and do things a little bit differently and hopefully show a little bit of nous and some of the mistakes that happened last year that, you know, to put them to one side. So what's what's been the sense of it for you? Well, I think you do look at last season and think, you know, they will have that experience. They will have nerves as well. That's a given. We're all nervous. You know, there's excitement and there's nervousness and that's okay. I feel like what they've done this season has sort of not gone under the radar because we didn't win the Premier League, but, you know, they did get beat just once. What mm. that does for a team's mentality is just... Their bond on the pitch just must be almost invincible because they were almost invincible. You know, they must look at each other and think, We're gonna we're gonna win because I've got him next to me and I've got him there and you know, we're a good team and it just like the way Klopp said, you know, feels like his team. I think what he's getting at as well is, you know, most of these players are now players he's hand picked. Yeah. And not only that, players that he hasn't let go yet. Obviously we will see, you know, some of them leave this summer but them ones that leave this summer aren't the players that will feature 
I wouldn't say in the final. So, you know, he has pretty much got his, his merry band of brothers, hasn't he, almost together. And, um, yeah, I think the mood in the camp, it just from the outside looking in and, you know, covering all the social media stuff, the, you know, you, you see them put out how many days to go and stuff like that. But I don't know, it just feels different with these set of players, all the mm. interviews they've done from that media day. And they just, they just seem, I think Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, is maybe the one to sum it up most is just happy go lucky cheeky personality could sum up this sort of mood in this camp. I think, you know, Liverpool are going there not expecting to win. They'll expect a difficult game with Tottenham, but, you know, what we've got going forward is something to expect as well. You know, we, we will do this again. The last year Klopp dreamed of, you know, let's go back. That's what he said in Kiev Airport. He he was thinking, I wanna go back, I wanna do this again. Now he has, but next season we'll actually be favourites to do that again, almost, because, you know, who's a better team than Liverpool right now? Just, if we win this, we're the best team in the world. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Moving on from the players, then down to the fans. Obviously, it's been 2012, was it the last time the Reds won a trophy? Like, how, League, Cup, yeah. League Cup, yeah. I mean, how significant is, is this for the fans now? You know, there's been a, a few finals in recent years that haven't gone Liverpool's way. Do you think this one kind of needs to be won? Yeah, I mean, I think we've, we've probably spoken about this before. There's been finals. There's obviously been two tilts at the league title, which that came desperately close to being successful, but fell just short for you know differing reasons each time. You know, the outside world, obviously, looking in and, and always kind of poised, if it does go wrong for us to say, there you go, they've choked again, yeah. they can't get over the line. You know, I've, I've said for a while that, you know, the sole barometer of success cannot just be silverware because how you know how this team has made us feel for the last two years mm. and you know and it spells before that is the essence about of what being a football supporter is about you know what I mean not just winning and scoring goals that sense of progression momentum that our team is is representing us our city our fan base and giving us and I I, I do believe as well a lot of kind of like neutral football supporters a lot of enjoyment because what's football about if it's not about enjoyment? Mm. Um, you know, with the, the, there are without wanting to throw certain managers under under a bus. You know, there's 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 more than one way to skin a cat, isn't there? And some managers, it's all about pragmatism and being hard to beat and breaking things down and hoping to win things that way. And and you know, listen, at the end of the day, football is about to a certain degree winning, but also it, it's about enjoyment and the way we've gone about our business. If you go with that that kind of very pragmatic conservative approach, you've got to win. Yeah. Because if you don't, what else is there? Mm-hmm. And it seems to me that you know Klopp has managed to find, in many ways, close to the perfect blend between pragmatism. Because obviously, the style of play has evolved this year. We, you know, it, it's not just all heavy metal football, blood and thunder, all out attacking. There has been a certain amount of control and that ability to see games out and get results when you're not playing well. But at the same time, we do still have this kind of blitzkrieg attacking mm-hmm. element to it to us, where we can just lay teams to waste in a matter of seconds sometimes, as we've seen, obviously, in the Barcelona semi-final. So um, we need to get it over the line, you know what I mean? I think we're all kind of feeling... I don't think anyone's really allowing themselves to think about how we'll sell it to ourselves <laughs> if it does go wrong at the weekend. No, not yet. <laughs> we have to win. We should win. Over the course of what we've done over the last couple of years, we deserve a title. But you've got to go out there and do it on the day, and I just mm. think this team will not take no for an answer. Mm. Mm. There was, Gorsley, there was some interesting stuff from... Um, 
uh, Doyle spoke to Carragher and we had exclusive stuff uh, on the Echo website this week, and he touched on this this point and said how irritating Liverpool fans must be to supporters of other clubs because in recent years, you know, Reds have been having the time of their lives and that's been clear, I think, in the explosion of fan culture and just the, the, the thrill of these journeys to the finals over the last couple of seasons. So there's definitely some truth to it. But, you know, does does that become a bit exhaustive? Do the, do the fans need something to show for this one? Uh, definitely, yeah. I, I agree with that. I think uh, I think when Liverpool came off the pitch against Real Madrid last year, it was... Everyone was disappointed. Don't get me wrong. Everyone was was crestfallen with you, but I think there was a a glimmer of hope. The Reds fans knew that this was just star for this team, and 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 they'd be back at, at these big stages again under Jurgen Klopp because of the team that they were building. Um, and it's here and now that this is it. Liverpool haven't had to wait too long. They're back uh, in another final, and and this is the one that, that they do have to win. Um, I suppose what what Carragher's getting at it is true. I mean, we've seen it, didn't we? Um, in the last few weeks of the season, where everyone seemed to pick up on this idea that Liverpool fans would be insufferable if they won the league, like they're the only fan base who'd celebrate <laughs> it. I think it comes from two two bits really. I think them Liverpool supporters and Manchester United supporters are you know the the biggest fan bases in England are they, and and two of the biggest in the world, um, and that translates onto social media at a time when Manchester United are having a, a terrible time of it, and Liverpool are seemingly having all these great nights in Europe and going for the league. So it, it probably just shows up more on people's radar that Red fans are celebrating more often than that and no one else seems to be because the only team who are winning things in Manchester City who, let's mm. face it, don't have the, the biggest fan base. Mm. Mm. Of course, he's mentioned there, Kiva, like the, the great nights that Liverpool have had this season and so often seem to have in, in European competition, especially that, you know, Barcelona will always be there whatever happens on, on Saturday, but how significant do you think it is for the for the fans going into this one? It's, it's hard, isn't it? Because you look at that Barcelona game and you think, you know, what we experienced there and that togetherness of the fans and what we have experienced all season at Anfield and wherever we've been, even the three aways in the group stages, you know, losing, the fans would have still, you know, been hopeful. And then you get results like Bayern Munich away, which mm. don't come around too often. You know, they absolutely dominated German football for years and, you know, have been a great, great team on the European stage as well. I think fans will just, enjoy this surely but it has to you feel like they have to deliver for us to really enjoy that Barcelona game because if we lose we'll look back and we'll think what an incredible night we'll never see nights like that again but we will because we're Liverpool and we, we always see the <laughs> nights like that Um we're quite lucky in that in that respect but um I feel like they need to deliver just for that to be even better because Tottenham have got their night in Amsterdam which they'll look back on fondly yeah. regardless of the results which we will with Anfield and the 4-0 beating of Barca but you just you know the fans we need it now because it has been like you say a league cup it's not good enough really when mm. you look at it we 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 deserve more for you know all the hours all the you know the money as well it comes you know a lot of people have spent a lot of money to get to Madrid and wherever else this season and they do that you'd spend as much it's priceless isn't it watching your football team play fans up and down the country all over the world you know it's our passion it's what we do but sometimes you just need your team to go yeah here's a nice big trophy mm-hmm. absolutely and coming back to you then Gorsley just just the last person in this in this kind of introductory section I want to talk about is Klopp I mean in no way am I suggesting if we didn't if Liverpool didn't win he'd be under any kind of pressure but does does he need this one, given his recent record in finals and not having got off the mark yet with Liverpool? 
that's something he'll, he'll certainly want to put right. But does he need to start putting that right? Yeah, you, there's only so many times you can get to finals and you can keep having this this tale of the nearly men, can't you? And mm. Liverpool won't get a better one than coming up against the Tottenham team that they've beaten home and away and they finished 26 points above them in the Premier League uh, for the Champions League final. Uh, last year, Liverpool were the underdogs, weren't they? Um, they were the underdogs in 2007. They were the underdogs in 2005. Um, and it's a rarity that Liverpool are going into a cup final as the favourites, if you look at Finals they've been in. Um, Sevilla was, you could probably say that was 50 50, but I'd have, I'd have said that Sevilla's experience mm. in the Europa League would have made them the favourites. Manchester City in the League Cup final, they were a bigger and better team at the time. So it's it's a rare one for Liverpool to be, can collapse Liverpool to be going into this as, as favourites. And I think at some point you do have to uh, just get over the line. Um, mm. I, I totally agree with what Dan says about um, football can't just be about how many trophies did you win at the end yeah. of the season because. It's about the journey and the, the nights to follow when a football team has given given you as a fan and, and whatever. But um, let's face it, people are judged on titles and Liverpool won't get a better chance than they will on Saturday evening. So, yeah, I, I think I think Klopp does need this one. Um, I wouldn't suggest that he's under any kind of pressure if they, they do come a cropper on Saturday mm. night, but it'd just be a huge statement, wouldn't it, for Liverpool to be European champions under Jürgen Klopp. With a team that is the envy of, of most in Europe. Mm, no, definitely. Four seasons, or the best part of now, Kiva, that Liverpool have had under Klopp. And given how long he stayed at his previous clubs at Mainz and Dortmund, you know, maybe Reds fans can expect three more and possibly, you know, if he signs another deal, maybe more beyond that, who knows. But at, at this stage, do you think he needs this win to maintain momentum and, and kind of like really push on into what could be the second half of his reign at Liverpool? I think it definitely validate what he's done and the progress he's made because obviously trophies signify progress, mm-hmm. of course. And, you know, he's built one of the best teams in world football easily. You know, it's took him four years to be here and it just feels like, you know, last year he'd built a good team, but just there was, you know, a few little holes in it here and there and that, that causes a bit of trouble in the end. But, you know, I think... You, you don't want any other manager in football right now. And I think a lot of people would look at Klopp. I've heard, like, I've got friends who are United fans and stuff down the years. And, you know, deep down, they know, they'd wish for a manager like Klopp because he's, charis- he's charismatic, which is great, because he he's just a perfect blend for Liverpool as a city with his politics and everything. He just, mm. he just gets it. And then he's dead good at football managing and he's built us a great team. <laughs> so, you know, he is just a great fella. And... You know, to see him on, you see, like, the, the managers on the flags and the cop, and to see him alongside the ones who've won European Cups to Liverpool, that's, you know, he deserves it. Like, surely everyone in world football yeah. can hold their hands up and say, this is a really great guy. I know a lot of people who probably really dislike Liverpool would really dislike Klopp, but we absolutely adore him. He yeah. is the best I mean, you've said a lot of people that don't like Liverpool will probably dislike him as well. To, to be honest, I mean, and that will be true to a certain extent. But I, you know, I know a few Manx and Evertonians, and to, and what's making this worse for them is the fact that they do, actually, in spite of themselves, they can't <laughs> help but like him. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, it's not dissimilar when Vincent Company banged that one in. That was one of the worst things for me. Kind of like I've always liked Company as a, yeah. as a player, yeah, yeah. as a character. I found it impossible to begrudge him that moment, even if obviously it was a dagger in the heart of our title hopes mm. and I do think there is a certain element I think in the wider football public that Klopp's whole approach to the game the 
the way I remember, I remember years ago someone used the phrase about football it's the most important unimportant thing in the world and I think Klopp has often talked a lot along those lines he realised at the end of the day this is 22 fellas kicking a bag of wind around obviously it's an awful lot more than that and he just seems to have that kind of right blend between seriousness and levity that obviously people respond to not just his staff and the players who play under him but um, obviously the, the supporters of, his, of the teams that he manages and yeah. even other supporters. And that was never more apparent than, than last year, wasn't it, when they lost in Kiev and um, five o'clock in the morning he's back at, back at home singing with his mates. Oh, yeah, that video. Yeah. Brilliant, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Um, that was just a perfect response to what was probably the, up there with, with his Dortmund defeat as, as the worst night of his career, wasn't it? Mm. I think mm. the quote that you picked up on as well, to Carlo Ancelotti, who said that. Is it? Which right. is interesting because obviously Ancelotti and Klopp were like the front runners when Rogers got sacked, yeah. weren't they? Mm. And, and I'd be interested. gone for Ancelotti yeah. himself. Ancelotti's won three yeah. alongside yeah. Paisley and mm. obviously Zidane, the only managers to ever win three European Cups. You think if Ancelotti was our manager, maybe we would have another European Cup, but. Would we want it in that? Obviously, you want it anyway, mm. any way you can get it. But would we have it in the way Klopp will, is, could deliver it? I don't think so. Mm. No, I'd, I'd agree with that. I mean, the point you made just before about how kind of like, it's not just he's a great football manager. His his philosophy of how he sees life, how he sees football, I think does very much tie into how a lot of people in our city do as well. And he does very much feel like a perfect fit. And it's kind of like we're on this journey together. And I think, you know, for both the fans and the club, there's this, I don't want to use the word desperation because it kind of needs, you know what I mean, to just have something tangible to show for everything that we've put into the last couple of seasons. Mm. Um, And, you know, we've just got to go there and and grasp the opportunity now. But that that validates everything that Liverpool fans have been saying for, you know, how many years now, doesn't it? From outside, the, the, you know, the... Typical response is usually, "Oh well, what's he won for? What's he won for years?" But as soon as Liverpool lift that European Cup on on Saturday evening, um, you know, I'm talking as though that, that's a definite. Touch wood, yeah. Um, so just, 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 you know, all this wood. Um, if if that happens, then that that just takes away any kind of argument the opposition rivals have to try and bait Liverpool fans, doesn't it? Because it's that is you know the, the biggest trophy in in uh, club football. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and just last point on Klopp before we move on, go back to you on this one, Dan, first of all. Another thing Carragher said this week um, was that if Klopp wins this, uh, he'll be the best manager Liverpool have had for 30 years, which I think is it's obviously there's a good case for it, but it's a big shout given what Rafa and Julia won. Um, so do you think, will Klopp already be thinking about his Anfield legacy and, and taking that into account? He's just had some news, haven't you, Dan? Just had some really, really good, good news. news. Basically, one of my best friends who was going to be coming with us to Madrid, a little boy broke his arm last week. They thought he was going to be able to make it. They went to the fracture clinic this morning. He said no, but now they are going. Ah, oh, so that's so really that's, that's Try not to cry on the air. Repeat the question, please, Sean. I was just saying, Carragher said... We need to roll in yellow ticket for that, don't we? Breaking little boy's dreams of Madrid. That is excellent, that. So relieved. Uh, no, Carragher was saying just earlier this week that um, to Doyley again, if Klopp wins this, he's got a great case to be Liverpool's best manager in the last 30 years. Um, just, I mean, it seems, seems like a big shout given what Rafa and Julia have, have achieved, but is that is that a fair shout? I think it probably is because we're talking consistency of performance here, aren't we? You know, and yeah, Rafa, to be fair, you know, came very close to win us, winning us a league, 86 points, only two defeats in 2009. Um, but 
you know, to, to manage, you know, we could quite easily have been going into this weekend talking about Liverpool going for the double. Mm. You know, in many ways, we, we could have been, we should have been. Um, so it's a big if, isn't it? You know, he's got to get it over the line on Saturday. But I, I certainly think he's absolutely got to be on a par, certainly with anything in the last 30 years. But, you know, I'd, I'd maybe, I mean, like Bob Paisley, you know, 19 trophies in nine years, was it? There or thereabouts. I think maybe the parallel in, in terms of all our all time greats, I I would draw the parallel really with with Bill with Bill Shankly because mm. you know you look at Shankly's trophies, he didn't obviously Paisley won far more than him, but it was Shankly that instilled the mentality into Liverpool Football Club, who were already a reasonably successful club. I think we yeah. won five or six league titles before he took over in fifty nine, but he was the one that yeah we talked about making Liverpool a bastion of invincibility and sending a team from Mars to after beaters. And it's Klopp, I think, that you know, from his first day he came in and talked about turning um, doubters into believers. And he's done that. And you know, I, I, I would defy anyone to, to dispute that over the last couple of years. So I think he has to be talked of in that company without question. No, definitely. Um, right, moving then towards more towards the game itself. Ghostly, it's, it's it's been a strange one since the end of the of the league season, at least, because it's been this... Oh, six weeks ago, wasn't it? Well, this is the thing, there's, there's been this three-week gap. Nine years, hasn't it been? <laughs> it certainly feels like that. Uh, but yeah, we've had we've had this three-week gap, you know, best, best part of a month. Um, but does, in some ways, given, you know, the, the opposition maybe this time and the, the fact that it's a kind of all-English final compared to the more glamour tie of, of Real Madrid last year, do you think, has the build-up, has it felt for you? Has it felt more low-key than last year or...? Or just difference? It, it it did up until the the media day on um, was it Tuesday um, yeah. when they they held the press conference at Melbourne and you just seen the amount of, of cheers, um, yeah, the, the <laughs> a lot of cheers, amount of people who'd, who'd come from every corner of the globe to, to basically come and report on did on this event. The gym or something? It, yeah, it was. Yeah, in, I've never it, seen it, one of those before. Yeah. I think it was the only place they could have it, couldn't yeah. they? Because normally um, <laughs> they'd have it at Anfield, but. Um, I've seen them do Champions League ones and I'm feeling like some of the big suites rather than the pressure. Yeah. But I just remember looking at it thinking, wow. Yeah. <laughs> but to, just looking at the, the amount of people that were there, obviously we had Doyle and James there then we for us. It, it just just brought it all back to the, you know, that this is a big game, a serious game, and it, it might be an all-English final, but it's got worldwide attention. And that's when it, it started to dawn on me. You know, I mean, you always know that the Champions League finals the biggest game in club football, but uh, while we were twiddling our thumbs and looking for bits and bobs in the build-up, um, Tuesday was when it kind of got serious and you realised that this is a, a huge game for, for Liverpool's history. Mm. And how about you, Kiva? I remember after the uh, the Barcelona game, we, we did a pod and everyone was saying, you know, who who would you like in the final? Would it be Ajax? Would it be Spurs? And I think unanimously it was, everyone was hoping it would be Ajax to have kind of more of a European feel. But after the build-up now, does it just feel like this is a Champions League final? Liverpool have got a, got a chance to win another one. Yeah, I think Ghosty's right. There, he's spot on. That it just sort of shifted on Tuesday, was it? It just mm-hmm. felt like, and then these quotes started coming out from like Brazil and everywhere, yeah, yeah, and yeah. just like the world start yeah. like took hold of it, and it was like, oh God, actually, yeah, we are. It's not just like a prem- a really big Premier League game. This is the Champions League final. I think you need to get closer and closer to it for it to feel real. You know, you're flying out tomorrow. Oh my God, I'm actually going to the Champions League final. That's when it's sort of kicks in but I don't think it will until you literally they blow the whistle and then you're there and then you're in that mad adrenaline rush and you know a few sangrias down you know what now <laughs> but yeah it's I think it has just started to I think at the beginning of the week when there was talk like Harry Kane injury and this like you know 
it was just a bit like dull and I thought oh this is like just feels like a normal sort of yeah and mm. then it just sort of kicked on and I was like oh my god actually this is the Champions League final and I did one Ajax because I knew that it would make us feel more excited about going and you know you're gonna be meeting Dutch people in Madrid and you know you'd always have a sort of nice time I'd say and now we'll just be meeting Cockneys and well Tottenham fans <laughs> and wherever they come from but um yeah, um, I'm just, I think, just, I can't even speak anymore. <laughs> Don't set me up. Yeah, I'm gone. Um, still, still with Spurs then, Dan, like one thing that, I mean, they've had a mad season, haven't they? That, yeah. that, you know, Brilliant that, season. That, Didn't that, buy a player in two windows, which oh, is just bonkers. Yeah, yeah, and I barely draw in a game. It's been, you know, one, one thing or another with them. But one thing a few people have said, and again, Carragher included, is that given given all that and the, the bizarre campaign that they've had, you know, could their name be written on the trophy in the way that Liverpool's was in 2005? Do you get any sense of that? I don't think you can discount that. And they will absolutely be thinking that themselves. Why wouldn't they? Mm. Yeah, we're, I, we're all watching that semi-final. I very much wanted Ajax for, you know, a variety of reasons. You want a European team in a European final. Ajax, to me, one of the great names of European football. And bizarrely, yeah. we've only played them once in 1966 mm. in both teams, you know, very long decorated European histories but um, I, you know, I don't think you could be a football fan and not appreciate the sensational way that they won that time I mean I've always been one of these I would rather win a game 3-2 I haven't been 2-0 down than win 5-0 I'm a sucker <laughs> for a comeback story do you know what I mean a redemption story and the way Tottenham did even if you know watching it I did, kind of, I did actually feel a little bit sick at the time Yeah, I just kind of thought no don't want this but Within, you know, you see Glenn Hoddle's reaction, you know, what a story for him. He had a heart attack in October and he's going to be, you know, it, it, there's, there's so many great layers and great kind of tales and stories in and around this final that absolutely Tottenham will be feeling that. And, you know, I think a few of us have said that we kind of feel, an adv- you know, it's, anv- it's advantageous to us that we've been in this position before, that we've been in finals, all the kind of circus and glamour and showbiz that surrounds a final shouldn't necessarily, you know, wouldn't phase us because we've been there before. It's not to say it'll phase Tottenham. They might actually they might thrive off it mm. and feed off it. Mm. So it, it, they are dangerous, dangerous opponents. Tottenham. We, we we beat them twice this season. I think most people who watched the Anfield game would say that absolutely they were the better side in the second half. I went to Wembley in September, and even if we were without question the better team for most of the game, it ended up a bit if you know it yeah, ended up quite dicey last couple yeah, of minutes. Yeah. And it was two yeah. one, and if I remember right, they had quite a strong penalty shout that could well have been given. It could have been a draw. So. Mm. They'll be kind of feeling that maybe they were a bit hard done to in the couple of, in the two games this season, and obviously they gave Klopp possibly his worst beating as Liverpool manager, mm. certainly in the last yeah. couple of seasons at Wembley last yeah. season the four one. But you know, I'm not going to sit here and build Tottenham up. They're a very very good team, but we are better than them. Mm. You know, it's not just the league table tells you that. What we've seen, what we've felt over the last couple of years, and if we perform anything like to the level that we should do, mm. then and that we can do, then we've got a real really great chance of bringing the cup home no, fingers crossed right well predictions have been touched upon uh, in previous pods and I know I'm not going to name names but someone in this pod today refused to give a prediction the other day which is which is, I suppose fair enough I want to do this slightly differently if you're not going to give me a prediction what is what is the ideal way that this could be won for Liverpool what's the give me the goal scorer the time of the goal the circumstances uh, we'll start with you, Kiva. Is it is it 119th minute Tranmere style? Oh, Definitely not. Please not. I can't do it. I can't <laughs> I put can't. my heart through it. I just want like a comfortable, like Chelsea last night. You know, maybe yeah. going up half time, nil nil, and you're yeah. a bit like, oh, could be anyone's. And then four one, 20 minutes, you you're fine. You're gonna win, and it's nice, isn't it? Nice feeling. Um, yeah, I d- 
going to plead the fifth on this. <laughs> so I'm you just think like, one, that's absolutely yeah. fine. Well, uh, you know, I, I just want us to win whatever way we can. And, you yeah. know, we've, we, we, my mum always says it as well. I think all Liverpool fans say it, we, we do it the hard way. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, expect probably a really intense game. And, you know, wouldn't like a late goal from maybe our local hero, Trent Alexander-Arnold or... Uh, Alex Oxley Chamberlain, his story of being out for a year mm-hmm. and coming back. You know, there's there's so many stories you could write, and I just hope we'd be the ones writing them. Well, fingers crossed. Like Trent's the one for me as well, but Gorsley, is anything stand out for you? Ooh, I agree with Dan saying that you don't really know how Tottenham are going to approach it because it's the first European Cup final in history, whereas Liverpool were in it less than, well, just over a year ago. Um, so they've got the experience. They know how it feels to lose one, and they, they definitely won't want to want to be feeling that again at um, half ten on on Saturday night. Um, I'm honestly not not fussed who scores. <laughs> I'd take a own goal off Larry's carry. Um, Larry's carry. So you, <laughs> wow. you go Larry's shoulder if it meant that Liverpool Liverpool win the European Cup. <laughs> uh, be nice for Trent Alexander Arnold to score the winning goal, but I'm, I'm honestly not fussed. I think I'm hoping for just a a nice quiet kind of routine to no win an early goal and then maybe a second in the in the second half to just ease those nerves uh, and hopefully Liverpool don't do it the hard way which uh, as Kiva says do you like to do <laughs> How about you Dan what are you hoping for? Uh, it's got to be the bookies favourite that Liverpool will make us suffer because you know <laughs> that's just what they do but you know in some ways it is, you know, it's often that suffering that makes the, the euphoria and the elation that bit sweeter at the end Um I'll, I'll I'll take it. You know, Simon Minier comes up for a late corner. I mean, come on, he, he, he rockets one into the top corner. I'll take that. I think after after what happened last year, it would be love. It would be lovely if Mo Salah had mm. some kind of significant impact mm. on the game because obviously it was devastating what and heartbreaking what happened to him last year, and obviously it had a knock on effect for his World Cup as well. And yeah, you know, really for the first half of this season. But you know, I'm really not fussy. However, it comes, I'll just be due, I'll just be made up. If Virgil Van Dijk scores the winner, just give him the Ballon d'Or now. Yeah. You know. yeah. Don't waste anyone else's time. Just take it it there and, you know. (laughs) Um, And last point then before we wrap up, just a quick look at what seems to be the two remaining team selection dilemmas that Klopp probably has. I mean, I think most people would say maybe nine of the team, presuming Firmino makes it and is fit. Um, I kind of, you could could kind of select those now. But let's start at the back and see what you reckon first, Kiva. Presumably there's no doubt it'll be Trent, Robertson and Van Dijk, but that other centre-back spot, who would you go with and why? Matip, I'm going with Matip just because of the momentum he's got and I just don't feel like Joe Gomez isn't quite there yet maybe and then Lovren I just wouldn't want him maybe I've said I think on the last pod for him to come on late and show things up I feel like he could do that but I'm just not sure I want him playing the whole game because he stresses me out to watch him sometimes (laughs) he's a good defender but he does stress me out a little bit I think Matip has been outstanding and I just feel like he needs to be given given this game because you don't know what his future holds as well you know and I just I just think he's been great alongside Van Dijk and they've built up this sort of chemistry and just understanding and I wouldn't want that to be taken away I don't think I mean you can take it away and Virgil van Dijk could play on his own still we'd still win <laughs> one at the back yeah just one at the back yeah um but yeah and then of course the defenses yeah I think Matip's the one there mm. Do you agree, Gorsley? I mean, is there, is there a shout for Gomez with a maybe a bit more pace against some of the Spurs attackers? <clears throat> well, it's funny because uh, we sat on the pod possibly January and I was saying I don't think Joel Matip's good enough long term and maybe Liverpool might be looking to offload them in the summer. I was worried about him playing against Bayern Munich and 
he's completely shut me up and to the point where now I'm, I'm championing his selection mm-hmm. alongside Van Dijk. He's been excellent and he deserves a chance to, to play in, in the game, to be honest, because much as I love Joe Gomez and I think he's one of Europe's best centre-backs, um, I think he'll develop it into one of the best as well <clears throat> over the next couple of years. But Matip deserves it. Um, so yeah, Matip mm-hmm. and, and Van Dijk for me. Clean sweep, Dan. Inconceivable that, that he doesn't start Matip. I mean, there's a lovely irony in the fact that, you know, obviously we're talking about this in the context of a, a European Cup final against Tottenham. For me, I probably bore people to tears with that. this, but that league game at Wembley last season, I massively lost my saw my arse with, with, with Matip then and basically didn't want to see him in a red shirt again. Mm. Remember the game? It was a mad game. We were two down after 20 minutes. Then battered them for about 15. Oh, yeah. For yeah. half time. Should have got brought off after half an hour. Yeah. Sh- should have gone in at least level and literally the first half stoppage time, a free kick and he, he, he such a soft header straight to Deli Ali who booted in. I, me- I remember just going bananas go get him out of the team. Don't want to see him in a red shirt again. Mm. Like Gorsley, I was anxious when well, the Napoli game actually—he started against Napoli, didn't he? Done his shoulder, didn't he? And had a brilliant, brilliant game, and then literally the last kick of the match, yeah. last header of the oh, game, yeah, he fell yeah. into his collarbone. But I think he's absolutely proved himself, and I just—it's unimaginable that Klopp wouldn't start him. I think it would be—I think send out a bad message to the rest of the team, yeah. mm. as much as anything else. I just—I just don't think that that's anything Klopp would consider. Mm-hmm. Moving on to the midfield, then Kiva. Does it seem at this stage? I was going to say as simple as, but. Does it seem clear that it'll be Henderson, Fabinho plus one, or and if, and if if that's the case, who who would be your three? I definitely think it'll be them two, and then it's obviously the Wijnaldum Milner sort of argument, which we've been having all season. The midfield's yeah. brought us the most sort of conversation, I think, hasn't yeah. it? Because the defense has been so solid, and the front three, they just you know we just put them in and they do the thing. <laughs> but the midfield's been that who's playing, and we spoke about this as well earlier in the week and I'm just you kind of want James Milner to play because you know the experience and like the level headedness that he brings to the team but at the same time I don't want him to get overran in the midfield or and I feel like when Aldum's been absolutely superb this season sometimes overlooked how good mm. he is especially with Fabinho's sort of rise as well in the past few months um I love I love them both, and it's so difficult for me to say who won in, but I think I probably would just edge it with Wijnaldum just because I just feel like he's probably the better option maybe, but mm. Milner could come on and, like Lovren, I've said about him, and bring that sort of, you know, whether we need a goal, hopefully not, back or something, you know, just to bring that, like he did against Southampton with Henderson, he come on there and... Did he come on against Fulham or was that he just scored? I think he that did because it wasn't, it wasn't his first kick of the ball was that slice up in the air that ended up in that horrific. Uh, error. The, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But like he does stuff like that, but then he makes up for it, and you wouldn't want anyone else on the pitch to take no. a penalty if we get if we get one. Yeah. So yeah. it is. It's so difficult, and I'm just glad it's not up to me. <laughs> it, it's it's this for me. It's the, it, the the main reason why I, I would go one album above Milner because I don't think there's an awful lot to choose between them. I just think Milner is the perfect first sub, whatever what, whatever situation yeah. we're in, whether you're chasing the game, whether you're trying to shore the game up, whether it's a stalemate. I just think his experience is older heads. As the game gets stretched, as it, as it gets into the second half, and who knows, possibly even extra time, I just mm. think that that know how, that that savoir faire, that know how to do elements. Mm. You know, he, he, he has been a almost like a Gary McAllister type figure for us, and. and you know, go, to go slightly off topic, whatever happens, I think he's one year from the end of his contract. Yeah, yeah. You know, next summer, yeah. I I really hope that you know I really hope Liverpool look at kind of keeping him on, keeping him on in some regard because I think we'll, 
potentially get two or three more seasons out of him. But I just think he's a fantastic professional. Mm. And he does seem to really have an attachment to the club now as well. Mm. Mm. That's a good argument, that. Gorsley, are you of a similar mind or would, would Milner get in for you? Yeah, no, I agree with Dan. But I wouldn't completely rule out Klopp throwing in his, his go-to midfield of Wijnaldum, Henderson and, and Milner. Mm. Um, personally, I hope it's Fabinho uh, and Henderson and just Wijnaldum. Um, <clears throat> I think Moussa Soko probably probably going to start for Tottenham as Nian. He's, he's a bundle of energy and he carries the ball mm. such distances and very strong and quick. Um, I think Ryan Alden might be better place to to um, to keep pace with him really and try and um, basically get the bull on the front foot. I agree with Dan about uh, Milner's older head and his experience. He comes on and he, as as Dan says, he's perfect for a player short for two minutes or you know we, we need to get on the front foot. Let let's look ahead and, and try and play a forward. Um, but I think Wijnaldum, for me, uh, starts with Fabinho and Henderson. Mm. One more point I'd like to make about the midfield as well. I think I'm right in saying Fabinho didn't start either game against Tottenham in the league. Now, I do uh, remember no, no. I, d- I do remember when um, the, 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 the second game at Anfield, I think earlier on in the season we'd already really seen him, so I don't think you'd, you could have expected him to start in mid-September. Before the game, I think it was right at the end of March, wasn't it? I felt a little bit similar as when we got to the Allianz Arena you know, a couple of weeks before. Why isn't he starting Fabinho mm. in a game like this? Um, and certainly the way that second half played out, I think it, you know, Musa Sissoko really started to dominate the midfield in the second half. And you know, when we were lucky really to still be in the game at 1-1 when he, did, when he brought him on with about 15, 20 minutes to go. Mm. And I think he very much kind of helped us re-establish a platform in that game. So I think I think one or two pieces have already written been written actually in the long build up to this final anyway about how kind of like it is a, a little bit of an ace card up clock sleeve and that they haven't really had a good look at him yeah. against them this season Tottenham. So mm. um, this I wouldn't it, you couldn't rule it out what Gorsley said he could go to to, the, to that other three without with Fabinho on the bench. But I'd be very very surprised and I think particularly that his performance against Barcelona was just sensational. After that you know after picking up a booking in the first ten minutes yeah. of that one of the best tackles I think I've ever seen. In Lewis Suarez, it was the ultimate <laughs> reducer, one in terms of yeah. like getting your getting your retaliation in early. But then walking that tightrope against a team of that quality with players who obviously you know are adept at winning fouls and free kicks, even right to the last minute he put he got a great foot. In. Really, the only chance they had in the last 10-15 yeah. minutes, the ball broke to PK in the box, and he managed to you know wrap a telescopic leg around and get it and get it out. Fabinho's essential to play for me. Yeah. And he'd be devastated as well that he's not going to the Cup of America. That would have really yeah. upset yeah. him. And yeah, I feel true. like that would be fire in his belly. Definitely. And can motivate him as well to kind of, I'll show you type thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Right then. Well, they are your 11 Reds to hopefully go and win the European Cup. Um, all they've got to do is go and do it on Saturday night now. So uh, the lads who are out in Madrid for us will be will be podding again at some point, probably tomorrow night before you're uh, ahead of the game. And we'll be back next week, hopefully after Liverpool have won it six times and we've had a very nice parade. So we'll see you then. This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. 